0: Hi, I'm Chris Villardi, Director of Digital Engagement and Communications in Syracuse University's Office of Alumni Engagement, 1995 SU grad and host of today's Cuse Conversation with Ian Wishingrad. You go to Newhouse and you go to that basement and you see all these
1: famous cool people that have graduated on the Wall of Fame. And I was like, oh my God, this is my place. It felt like such a killer combination of college experience, of, of my kind of creativity and business. It just really clicked with me. And that was it.
0: As you'll hear over the next 30 minutes or so, when it comes to brands, Ian just gets it. So how does an aspiring filmmaker become a brand building marketer, a successful cereal maker, and the guy who got the kids from the original Willy Wonka cast back together? All
1: right, where is it? I want a chocolatey breakfast cereal now.
0: About time too. His career path hasn't been exactly what you'd call traditional, but he started his journey when he was still in high school.
1: So when I was in high school, I was a sophomore and I started taking a TV production class and I got experience on an iMac and I learned how to edit video and it lit me up. It just lit me up because either the electives were usually drama or something. And it just, that wasn't me, but filmmaking and storytelling and like little short fake commercials and movies, I was doing all the time. And I was winning little awards in Connecticut and I was trying to be mini Spielberg. So I knew I loved film from 10th grade and was pursuing it with reckless abandon, got my parents to invest in the whole Mac Final Cut rig. And I was just editing and shooting all the time, making everyone at my lunch table be with me, interning at ad agencies. So it was really cool to know at 15 what you want to do. And then from there, you start to just look at the colleges that are great. And so Newhouse, NYU, I got into. The only school I got rejected from was USC, and I'm an only child from Connecticut, and I was playing on the high school golf team and my parents called me with so happy they're like, "You got rejected from u s c because they would I would have have to have gone because it's like the film school, and they would have been heartbroken, so it all worked out and then it was basically me just figuring out between tish uh film in New York and uh, a new house. And so when I went to go, the accepted students thing at NYU, I raised my hand and said, Oh, like, what about commercial production? And I mean, they just looked at me like I was a horrible capitalist and that how could I, you know, commercials were here to make, you know, documentary art films. And as much as I might appreciate that, that wasn't me. And then you go to new house and you go to that basement and you see all these famous cool people that have graduated on the wall of fame. And I was like, Oh my God, this is my place. It felt like such a killer, combination of college experience of, of my kind of creativity and business. It just really clicked with me. And that was it.
0: It's really interesting how many times that type of story comes out when talking with alumni. I went there and I just felt like, yeah, this is my place. Yeah. It's amazing. So let's let's dive in a little bit to the education and, and the experience at SU. What stands out to you about the education and and going through Newhouse and, you know, getting the opportunity to do those things that you were so interested in doing?
1: Um, I think it, what I liked was it was very vocational, and if you want to go bite off a ton, you can go do a ton. And I liked that there was a lot of. Um, passion and entrepreneurial freedom and encouragement to just go for it. So I've always been very enterprising and I got, I threw myself into the school TV station and I started a commercial production thing and I would find great professors that I clicked with and just make them my mentors. And it felt like if you were creative, ambitious, and you wanted to go, Newhouse is an amazing place to encourage you. And they love that kind of boyish, big, wide open eyes energy And I love that. And it also felt like they were trying their best to give you real-world, very practical skills in concert with the School of Arts and Sciences, which gives you that rounded-out college thing.
0: Right. You know, as as someone who who went through the broadcast journalism program there, the other thing that Newhouse does, though, is it does seem to attract a lot of people who fit that bill. Who are those kind of go-getting... I mean, the competition is real, right? I mean, you kind of have to... You have to be that kind of person to, to stand out and succeed. You've got to work to put in the work.
1: I completely agree. I actually said that to the, one of the deans. I said, it's really, just, it's really good casting because if, what you see <laughs> in films a lot of times, and even when I shoot commercials, it's all casting. It's like, oh, that guy is a good actor. She's a good actress, and she could take direction. That's it. I mean, that's really it. And so I think they could tell, like, I submitted a reel to Newhouse. I had commercials made. I had awards won. Who's not going to like, you know, I don't mean to be cocky, but like that's a hungry, ambitious person. So many people come in with potential. They're good writers, but they've never turned a camera on or shot stuff. So I was way ahead of the game. And the point was they didn't try to slow me down.
0: So you mentioned, you know, putting in some time at the TV station um, on campus, as well as as obviously taking advantage of the education opportunities. What else stands out to you um, about just the experience of being a student at Syracuse University. A few things.
1: There was a really fun mix of this sports, college, fun, party environment. And, and then if you wanted to get serious and academic, you were there too. And there was frats if you wanted them, bars if you wanted them. Literally, the size of the campus was very manageable. The demographics, the people. It felt like it drew like my kind of people. I visited... I got into Michigan and all these other places and those were fun, but some of them felt overwhelming and you're just a number. Mm -hmm. So there's just a lot special about the school itself and just, I don't know, I just really liked it. And even despite the weather, it just, it just felt great. It felt like, I really wanted a college experience in Syracuse delivered on the college experience for me.
0: Yeah, you know, it is interesting. It, it certainly, it, it has the things of a big school, but depending on your program and depending on, on what you surround yourself with, you certainly can get that kind of smaller community feel out of it. Um, it's funny you mentioned the weather because as we record this, it's about 95 degrees in Syracuse today. So just throwing that out there, it's mm-hmm. a little, <laughs> a little uh, kind of breaking of the, of the stereotype and the cliche, but, uh, but worth mentioning. So you graduate from Syracuse. Um, walk me through kind of your, what, when you graduated, did you have a five-year, 10-year plan? Did you say, I'm going to found a company? What was, what was going through your head when you, when you got the degree? No, but what's funny is
1: about at the four year approaching the three, four year mark in my career out of college, I was, I was, I felt a little confused because life was so routinized. It was four, three years of middle school, four years of high school, four years of college. There were these, and then, you know, do well in the system. But then when you get to life, there's no more rules. I mean, they could say, okay, at a company for a year or two, get a promotion general BS, like just rules to how to, how to be an employee. But I started to get very anxious because I had all these aspirations and I was stuck as an employee in places. So I really wanted to break out of, I wanted to, I've always been trying to get to the top and I'm trying to get to the top by working smart and not just, uh, bludgeon strength like be clever how do you cut the line which is i remember in 2008 i graduated in 08 in the fall i was at this agency owned by omnicom called tracy lock and the, there were tons of su alums there i was recruited there uh, by an su alum the ceo was a new house alum so it was mm-hmm. a friendly environment but i remember it was when they started talking about millennials and they started it became the word in a marketing word and you start to hear about millennials and i was almost red and blushing i was so embarrassed how spot on it can completely encapsulated me. Cause I hated everything I heard about these millennials and I realized I was one. <laughs> so I really had to work extra smart, extra clever and be really brilliant and creative to to not wear this like whiny entitled thing. You know, I felt entitled to all this stuff, so the only way to not be a crappy millennial was to actually prove that I earned it, become the best in the agency, come up with those killer ideas, win the business. So you're not just blabbing about it and confident, you actually have substance there. I voluntarily reached out to the late Dean, Lorraine Branham and, uh, and Lynn Vanderhoek. And I said, I, I love Newhouse. I want to make sure this brand is hot. And they said, well, there's someone working on this like alumni, younger alumni board. And I was the youngest member on that and got to be part of this and I was able to network with guys that were you know, 15, 20 years ahead of me in Newhouse and they, and they thought I was young and hungry. And this guy, Greg Bernard had joined Vimeo uh, as the head of BizDev. and he goes, I think you know, Vimeo could really use you. And this was Vimeo, the HD video site that mm-hmm. Barry Diller got when he bought College Humor and didn't even know he got this video service. So it's kind of like a funded startup in a much bigger part of IAC And I wanted to do, I loved film. I got into this whole thing to make film and the agency I worked at never shot stuff. It was like a lot of in-store promotional work. And I wanted to get back to doing beautiful, filmic, cool stuff. So it was such a cool thing to go to Vimeo to be the creative director there to help come up with ideas. So when advertisers come to Vimeo, instead of them just running pre-roll because Vimeo wouldn't allow pre-roll because that ruined the whole experience to separate Vimeo from YouTube, I would be the guy that helps come up with really cool ideas that's more like early days of content marketing and it was always going to re- be resulting in some kind of film and that would be great because I just want to wanted to make film short film something so I thought it was a dream job unfortunately you learn that it's really a tech company it's really about the coder and the tech guy who makes a better Vimeo player and the better guy that builds the community and so I went from being really important to incredibly unimportant hmm. and it killed me because I need to be if I'm going to be an employee I need to be like the thing that if i do my job well i'm the rock star Hmm. so it was really not a bad environment but terrible for me my personality and that personality did not mesh my boss and i did not mesh it was bad so i got canned 10 months into the job i started february 2012 and i was canned in december and the only good thing that came of that was i went to an event and whoopi goldberg was on stage and whoopi goldberg mentioned that she just quit smoking a couple days ago. And I had always had this killer anti-smoking idea. It was like a, you know, a fake idea not brought to fruition in my portfolio that I had mocked up that I always wanted to sell and was trying to sell. But you don't really go to companies and say, I have an idea, buy it for me. It usually is you win the account and then you could sell them creative ideas. So when Whoopi Goldberg was leaving the Nederlander theater, I just approached her and then I pitched her really hard and said, actually, you know what? I have this idea, it's called a no it's the instead of scaring smokers into believing that, you know, they know they're going to die. How about we make a tool that allows loved ones to create what looks like a scary message, but says Whoopi Goldberg alive at age 55. And she's like, I love that. Email me. And she gave me her email. And I left the Nederlander Theater and I wrote her an email and I sent her a link from my website. And she wrote back, I love, love, love this. Let's meet and talk. And so very soon thereafter, I got fired, but I had a little bit, instead of being like, oh my God, I left an ad agency, I went to Vimeo, I got fired, I'm a loser, I'm whatever. I had this like glimmer of hope that I got Whoopi Goldberg to like do this thing with me. So that was like my, my lottery ticket, my hope. And one of my mentors at the time, And this is another great new house story one of my professors was ed russell he's a big guy in the advertising department and since i he always felt my energy and liked me he said ian i'd like to introduce you to richard kirschenbaum who was a very famous syracuse alum who built an incredible ad agency in new york and sold it he goes you're like a young richard and he connected me with him and i was able to ingratiate myself to richard kirschenbaum and he became a really wonderful mentor to me and then when i told him that i got whoopi goldberg signed he goes ian I know you like advertising, but you really belong in Hollywood. The idea that you can just go up to random celebrities, and I've done this a few times, and then they give you their number, you get drinks with them, and they become friends with you, that's more impressive than your campaign ideas. You should go to Hollywood. And I said, okay. And so I worked once again. I got an internship when I was in college through Newhouse to work at Paramount. It was the worst internship of all time, but I (laughs) I stayed in touch with my intern boss. And she made calls and I flew to Hollywood and I just went around and took a lot of interviews. And I eventually was able to get myself a job at this company called United Entertainment Group, which is the advertising kind of joint venture with UTA, the big talent agency out there. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, here we go. I got a huge raise. I took this, you know, I got fired. I was probably unemployed for three or four months, freelancing, depressed, smoking cigarettes, losing my mind, so sad, trying to just like figure out what the hell to do with my life. And then I was able to score like a huge paycheck, cool Hollywood company. I've got I t- I, I, that Whoopi Goldberg story. Like that's what I told. That kind of like I told <laughs> that story a million times, and that wooed Hollywood. Um, and then I got this great job at this company. But once again, instead of me doing what I should have done, which is just go to a good advertising agency where my personality and my skill sets would have been appreciated, I went to a company that was a pseudo ad agency, pseudo talent agency, and once you get there you realize that no matter how great, I had so many cool ideas and they worked on big accounts, we were not the agency retained to do that kind of work. They really wanted us to help find Ellen DeGeneres as the cover girl or what celebrity should endorse Doritos. And it was just, I don't watch entertainment tonight. I knew nothing about celebrity culture. I don't care about TMZ. And so all of a sudden some of the people that I would consider I don't know just kind of not necessarily creative but just no celebrity culture were more important to the company than me who was coming up with killer content ideas with celebrities and how to shoot this and do that it just wasn't in the remit of this company but i did watch from afar how the founder and ceo was able to do it and i'm like okay if this is if this is what it takes to run an agency you basically run around all day network sell people that you could do something find a way to deliver it and do it again and again I think I could do my own agency. So at this point in time, I had once again this, it's been a it's been two years into this whoopi Goldberg thing. It's always a side project. It's so hard to get going anywhere. But at this point, I said, okay, I must see this Whoopi Goldberg project through. I need to launch an obituary. I found a way to get everyone to help volunteer. I got nonprofits lined up. And then finally, I I launched the idea, launched my agency was able to scrape together a retainer. By the way, my first retainer client was $5,000 a month from a Newhouse alum, Jack Myers. So, so much did come from Newhouse. I knew how valuable it was and how great it was and what that co of that brand meant. And I always just made sure to build that network because it's this amazing thing a lot of us have in common. So I started my own agency. I was 28 years old and it started with a $5,000 a month, Retainer, it started with a couple thousand dollar projects and I slowly, with a little shared workspace, but way before we work, and I just built and built and built and built and there you go. And just, you just, it's really emotional and it's very, very difficult. But six months into my agency, I met my wife and my wife was the, it was just the perfect time. She was just, I was ready to finally be serious because I could no longer chase women around New York for a hobby. I had to chase, <laughs> I had to, I had to chase you had a company to run. I had a company to run, so if I was going to go spend time in the evenings, it had to be drinks with people that could pay me, not you know girls that I want to kiss. Right. So so it was. She was the X factor in my life, and kind of brought this confidence and calm to me, and um, and really just help help. She was like my best cheerleader and believed in me, and that was able to just keep me steady when days you want to kill yourself and take a job and cry. It's really hard at the beginning, but then eventually you hang around long enough, you do good enough work, you just take you just kick enough swings, and you don't worry about getting you know rejected, and it starts to click, and then you get and then it oh my god it like started to happen, and that was
0: there's so much in that story uh, that you know. That that is useful for you know for people who are afraid of that process. You know, you talk about the importance of building and utilizing networks um and, and building relationships. You talk about, you know, sometimes you have to take a job and kind of figure out it's not the right thing for you and figure out, you know, where your passion truly is, and then have the confidence or based on circumstances you know maybe have the the good fortune of of being told yeah this isn't right for you go find something else um and then you also have to you know not be afraid to fail you have to be able to get knocked down and get back up again
1: yes this is true uh, I've <laughs> never the fear of the fear of failure yeah it's the the not caring the thing that I've learned, I guess, that makes me kind of an innate entrepreneur and I see a lot of people get held up by and I'm so confused because they're smarter than me and they work harder than me. They're just so afraid. They're so afraid of rejection and they're so afraid of being told no. And it literally doesn't phase me.
0: Which allows you to walk up to Whoopi Goldberg after an event and say, hey, I have this crazy idea. Exactly. I mean, hundred percent. I feel like if Whoopi Goldberg blows me off, that's what's going to happen. Who cares?
1: Like, (laughs) and so if we just have that attitude all the time, I'll call this person. And if they don't, you're not being rude. And if you get the client and they'll take a lunch, great. And if not, okay. And I I tell myself, because I believe in myself, well, they'll regret that one day I'm going to tell them you rejected me. And I've had I've had, I've had stories already where I've been able to kind of reconnect with people and I'm like, yeah, you kind of were not nice to me and you blew me (laughs) off. So just want to remind you,
0: you know, it's a really, it is an interesting type of story. And, you know, there's also that, that entrepreneurial spirit, um, which to start a company is something that you can't do without. Um, in talking, you know, you mentioned that you talked to a lot of other entrepreneurs. Is there something that you heard from any of them along the way that, that clicked with you that really was something that you thought of as you've been kind of building your own company?
1: Yes. It, I don't read many books. I read a lot, but I read a lot of news. I read a lot of industry. I read all the time, but I really don't, I guess, as someone who's very, uh, career oriented and I'm sure I'm being myopic and there's probably all these amazing books that would help me professionally. I just don't have the attention span for it. But I have read some books that I love that are either biographies of really uh, famous people and documentaries of all people that I kind of see myself in. And you see this common thread in all of them. And I don't know how to what to call it, but it's like, it's me. I don't know what else to say other than when you hear an entrepreneur talk and how they think and how they behave and their impatience and their rule breaking. And their, I'm like, oh my God, like, I don't know what to say other than that's exactly my mantra like all the things they say are just what naturally comes to me and so when i was hanging out with these guys they and they were guys for the most part um they 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 live the lives that i want and they do it in the way that i conduct business it's understanding relationships it's it's knowing how to sell it's seeing opportunities and a big thing for me was understanding this is my big unlock because my parents encouraged me very much with the whole creative stuff, but they knew that I was like the super ADD kid and that business in the traditional sense, I'm not a business person. So I Mm. never thought I was a business person because business people wore suits, their heels clippity-clopped in Grand Central Station, they commuted five days a week to New York, they sat at a desk, worked on a PC and had a spreadsheet. And when I realized that business was just people and that you don't need to get Pepsi, you need to befriend the person and you just need to convince a person, and the person trusts you, they give you business, that's Pepsi, that's how it works. And so once I kind of all figured out that business was just people, I'm like people, that's my jam, I'm a people person. I could get to people, I could convince people, I could sell people. And that was like the whole thing, I no longer need to think about how to execute, I'll hire the executors, I'll find the executors, go be that person. Go be the guy that could sell, that could bring it in. That was the whole wow, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of my like, next phase of my life.
0: Very interesting. So speaking of entrepreneurship, how does a creative marketing kind of guy become the founder of a cereal brand?
1: So what happens is, so I've, I've had Big Eyed Wish, my advertising, branding, creative agency for the past six years. And you work on such cool clients, Greek beauty brands, AT&T, Diageo Liquor, Nestle, startups, everything. And you learn so much by working on other clients because you're solving their problems. You learn about their business. You understand why they need these ideas. And you start to kind of go, hmm, I've built this brand truly. I've been like one of my clients is now it's the the fastest growing pet toy company in the world. I named it. I did the packaging. I do the advertising. I do everything for him and it's kicking butt. Now it's primarily kicking butt because he's an amazing entrepreneur and I'm a good creative, but you see, he's going to build this thing and sell it for, I don't need to work again money. And I'm making a nice, you know, fee for service. (laughs) And so when you start to kind of see what this really is and what it takes to do, there was, there was two parts. One was I was doing the business development at the agency and the creative. That doesn't scale. And no matter what I tried, I either never had the right partner or couldn't stick to just one thing. Like that was the other curse of me as an employee. When you hire employees or when I hire employees, I want them to do what I hired them to do. But When people hired me, I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. And they're like, no, just do this. <laughs> so with my agency- does
0: it, does, I got to ask you, I got to interrupt here. Does it make you a more understanding boss when you when you have an employee who like- kind of has that mindset that, that you approach some of your jobs with? No, I don't hire those people. <laughs> you recognize it right away and you say, yeah, um, you're not gonna you're not gonna fit in here. hundred percent. And yep. they all and that you wanna
1: like them because they're great and I see myself in them. And you go, you know what? It's not gonna work. You're great. But you should go either go do your own thing freelance, but like you want to do too many things and not any of them perfectly. So I don't hire those people. Those I did one and it was a mistake and you move on. Yep. So with the agency, I thought the idea would be, let me do every kind of, let me do a killer job in packaging. Let me show that I can do great at a home. Let me show that I can do great TV. Let me show that I can do great everything. So anyone I collide with in my life, I have a case study for them and I could win that business. What I realized was that's not really the smart thing. The smart thing, the era we're in is just do social media buying, just do social media content, just do PR. And I love my, who I am is a creative person who's all over the place, who's very ADHD. And that is great for my own self and I was able, I I am, I make a nice living and have a small team, but it's going to be exhausting and it is not scalable. And then you start realizing once again, hanging out with the entrepreneurs. Now I'm like, Hey, I have my own company. Like, Oh, what is it? I go have an ad agency. They're like, ah, cool. Like no one, the (laughs) business model isn't great. No one thinks it's that cool. They think I'm cool. They think I'm creative, but the other guy who's less creative and less cool has a much better business. And so when you start to realize that your time is of the essence and I could get more business, but it's just me spreading myself thinner and thinner because I haven't done a good job building the agency that scales, you say, okay, the real thing is if I know how to make a brand hot, what if I owned the brand? What if I could literally just spend all my time being creative and selling, but for one thing, if if I could take all my energy and pour it into one thing, that might return like something crazy. Like one of our investors in the cereal is the guy that created our X-Bar. Those guys worked for like four or five years and sold for $600 million. That is not how an agency works. So <laughs> I kind of wanted to start having, being creative and working on something that is a better business model than a fee-for-service advertising agency. But I had no idea what to do. I mean, every time you see like Casper mattresses and Dollar Shave Club, like genius ideas... And for whatever reason, my brain does not work like that. I don't see opportunities like that. I, I could be the greatest guy to brand it and make it famous, but like, I don't see the opportunity. And it was not until we had my son and he was about six months old that my wife was buying food for the first time for him outside of baby food and started looking at cereal and went, babe, cereal is, is it cereal? And I'm like, oh my God, you're right. And I love stuff like broad American categories like cereal. Cereal, oh my God, the best. How American, how broad. Everyone loves cereal, but everyone knows cereal's bad for you. And that was like the big light bulb, moment.
0: So you thought, you know what? Cereal maybe doesn't have to be bad for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was basically, if you look at, you, you see all these alternative ingredients that are out there. We knew there was a way to basically make a very protein-rich cereal, and we could bring the sugar down 75%. So I would say, it's, and we, we have some, we, one of our SKUs is zero sugar, and it is healthy. Um, and you're like, wow, this is possible. Now, we had no idea how to make a cereal. We didn't know if it could taste good. It wasn't like we started quitting our job and doing this, but we did start to invest money from our agency profits and hire a food scientist and start to explore, can we really make this work? Can we make a yummy, way healthier cereal? And it took much more money, and much more time than we ever anticipated. It is way harder. You don't make this in your kitchen. You don't buy like a pasta maker and do it. This requires <laughs> millions of dollars of extruding machinery. You need scientists. It's crazy, but that's also kind of cool because that's a high barrier to entry as well.
0: That, that's very true. Yeah, people aren't mixing up recipes at midnight in their kitchens and figuring out how to, you know, how to create the, the perfect puff or whatever, O-shaped cereal. Now, the marketing, Came into play certainly recently with uh, with the chocolate cereal. Tell me tell me that story and how you were able to get some of the original cast members of Willy Wonka to to sample, to taste test your chocolate cereal. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. I'm smiling (laughs) right now
1: because it's just like, I love this, this is like, my brain works like this. My brain works as I read the news every day, every kind of news, from Trump politics down to green stuff, I just absorb it all because I take in the news to see what ideas I could come in with to ride the coattails knowing what they like to report on. I wanna tell one thing right before this. When COVID hit, uh, we, we launched late, October 2019, we started getting into Wegmans and Whole Foods and all these great accounts early 2020, and then three months in, boom, you know, like all of a sudden people are not going into the stores, they're not looking for new cool brands, they're rushing for Pop Tarts and for Lay's potato chips, and like, it's it's dead, and you can't sample, so like the whole way to go to market got crushed. And I thought, what if we created a drive-through in our driveway in Westchester? We turned our driveway, and they were doing drive-through coronavirus testing. Let's do a drive-through taste test. And so I literally, we live on a kind of busy street. My wife put gloves on and a mask and tongs, and we had tons of people come and drive through. And that press, we got local press that went to USA Today. Then my wife and I were on Fox News for three minutes talking about it in front of two million people and had our biggest sales day ever. And that was like two months ago. So it, re- it reminded us how important coming up with like clever, buzzy ideas are to the business. So when we were going to do cocoa, we said, okay, what's our next thing? Like the drive-through is already done. We got the buzz. And I thought, okay, well, <laughs> you know, what if we got, like, I don't, I don't know how to tell you how it comes to me. Like people keep wondering if it's logical. I would say the one X factor of being a creative person is just ideas pop in your head. Right. And this one popped in my head. I said, oh, <laughs> Thinking like a newsperson, I would write about this if someone if someone was able to get like Charlie from Charlie in the Chocolate Factory to actually try the cereal and endorse it, that would be clever. Oh oh oh! I can actually. I'm sorry. I can actually help tell you how I got here. Hold on. There is a story. Do you know the app Cameo?
0: That's the one where you like pay ten bucks for a celebrity to give you a, a a greeting or something. Is that yes. what that is? Yeah. Yes, okay.
1: Exactly. I forgot. That's what happened. So I came up with this idea of what if. We hacked cameo, meaning what if we got a bunch of celebrities? We'd spend a couple grand. They would think they're reading like a happy birthday wish. So it's like, uh, dear Coco, happy birthday. I hope you have a delicious day. And I would basically get the footage, raw cut all of it together, and the headline would be, these celebrities unknowingly endorse this new cereal. (laughs) And that was going to be the next buzzy idea. And I called a former colleague of mine who's an entertainment attorney, and he goes, Oh no, like this is, <laughs> this is not even, this is not only in the guidelines, this is like going to screw you up. And you're not just guys selling cereal out of your trunk. You're in whole foods, you're in sprouts. They're going to come for you. This is bad. This is like, and also in just in it, you're you're punking people. That's not who you are. Like you're a husband and wife. It's bad taste. And I said, fine, you're right. And so then, but it got me to this idea of using like, uh, not pret, not hot celebrities, but celebrity. Right. And then I said, "Oh my God, what if I just reached out to the Willy Wonka people?" And so everyone was like, "Oh, that's a great idea," but oh my God, it was so hard to get a hold of them. It was not easy. Like I tried the friendly approach. I called the the, the guy who plays Charlie. Actually went to Cornell. He's a veterinarian that lives literally an hour and a half from a Wegman. He's closer to Canada. And so I, call, I found his home number, I left a nice voicemail, nothing. I called his office and was the secretary. She goes, sounds cool, send us a note, we'll get it to him. Nothing, I mean, just could not get anywhere. Then I found Veruca Salt. She lives in like an hour and a half side of London and she looks like she's not trying to not be Veruca Salt. Like she has a little Facebook page that says the original Veruca Salt. So I'm like, yep. okay, maybe you know, she's down. Tried to reach her, couldn't get her. Couldn't get her. Finally, found some agent, someone to connect me, and she wrote back and said, "I'm interested." And I said, "Cool, okay, I'm gonna do what I do best. You get one person, now you start selling all the others." So I found Mike TV in Los Angeles. Once again, he didn't get back to me. Found his home phone number, called him. He's like, "Oh yeah, I was gonna get back to you. I guess I forgot." I said, "Well, <laughs> I have Veruca. You want in?" He's like, "Yeah, I'll do it." And um, and then I said, "But you know what? I really need. I'd love to get Charlie. Do you have any sense?" He goes, "Oh yeah." Here's the tip. And he told me a little secret and he gave me his personal AOL. And he goes, I bet you if you do that, 75% chance he gets back to you. Sure enough, he got back to me. And then I got on the phone with him and I charmed them and they loved the story. And for truly like next to nothing cash wise, they all were so cool. They even send me emails now, like I found it in store.
0: I wish all I had to do from now on is sit here and eat this chocolatey cereal. And trust me, I know chocolate. It's delicious.
1: In fact, it's scrumdiddlyumptious. I'm thinking this could be your golden ticket to a healthy breakfast.
0: You know, they really did seem to have fun. I mean, that's that's part of what you want, right? When you do something like this, is, is you don't want to look like it's a hostage video. You want them to to legitimately have fun, and, and they really look like they were having fun doing this. Yeah. So as we as we wrap up here, um, I want to I want to go get back to the Syracuse part of it. Um, you know, obviously, there is that that thread that that is throughout your story in terms of you know, and, and, you, and you can't work in in the business that you're in without running into and, and having experiences with other with other Newhouse and Syracuse University people. But how do you how do you try to stay connected to Syracuse, and what does it mean to you to to be Orange? I've always believed
1: your um, network. And you and I don't mean network so transactionally. Like, if you think, it, I think a lot of kids don't understand networking, and they it's very they're, they do it like a science project, and they think <laughs> because they met you and they had a coffee like this. No, you have to make friendships. You have to love people. That's my X factor because I'm not doing it. I know I know, in the back of my head, having more friends is going to help me. That's about it. But I do love just meeting people. And so Syracuse is so my kind of people. I mean, Newhouse is my people. It's the, I felt there. And when you connect with Chris Licht at CBS, like he's a buddy now, all these people, like I really voluntarily keep raising my hand to the university, I would like to help. I have ideas, I want to help. Because anything I do besides donate money, which I do, but it's not much, um, I would like to help the school because helping the school, that brand, that legacy will only help me, will only make it more prestigious, will only solidify it more. And it's something that you, as someone who graduates Syracuse and Newhouse, you have that in common. You can never take that away. That's a shared experience. And it's this kind of like co on each other. So I just love being a part of it. I never did a fraternity. That wasn't my cup of tea. Newhouse was my fraternity. That was my thing. I feel responsible for to continuing and growing the brand. Like I have friends that went to Harvard and Dartmouth and they, those are brands. And I guess I was never that material because they did, if there was a Harvard communication school, that's Newhouse. And I love that I went there and I'm so proud of that. And it's so selective and it's so hard and it's so special. And I want to make sure that I am one of those awesome alums and that I keep keeping this legacy going.
0: You can find Ian's company and his cereal brand with links in the description. We're glad you found the Q's Conversations podcast. It is available in all the usual podcast places. We hope you'll subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. We've got some great guests lined up over the next few weeks. Thanks for listening. I'm Chris Velarde. Stay safe, stay well, and go Orange.